0: Welcome to the Wiser Wealth Management Roundtable, where we believe the best financial advice should always be conflict-free. I'm your host, Casey Smith. Guiding you to financial freedom today is Jordan Sudi and a special guest, Kathleen Smith. No relation.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: Hi, Kathleen. How are you?
1: I am doing great this morning. Thank you. Jordan? Good. How are you? Good. Good. And
0: as a reminder, Jordan is from Sudi CPA, Correct. just down the street. Yep. Sort of.
1: Yeah.
2: In Kennesaw.
0: In Kennesaw. to yeah. used to be two different towns. Now they just blended together by a lot of uh, car dealerships.
1: Yep. Exactly right. (laughs) Cobb Parkway. Yep. Lead you straight there.
0: And Kathleen is uh, joining us from the Wellstar Foundation.
1: Yes, I am. Thank you.
0: Kathleen, what is your title at the Wellstar Foundation? I'm
1: the regional development officer for Wellstar Spalding Regional Hospital way down in Griffin and also Wellstar Sylvan Grove Hospital way down further in Jackson, Georgia. Jackson, Georgia.
0: Okay. Thank you. So. Our podcast series we're doing this quarter is all focused on tax simply because tax planning starts now you can't really deal with taxes or or change your tax return much after the first of the year so this is a great time to be looking at portfolios uh, for tax loss harvesting and looking for other ways to lower your tax bill. This series uh, for the, this one and, and the last podcast we did is has been focused on tax credits to help the community and there's so many different ways to do this but today I want to focus on two which is one is charitable giving which we'll get to a little bit later and then two is um, the Georgia Heart program and Kathleen why don't you kind of start us off and talk a little bit about the Georgia Heart program
1: and how it works. Sure um, Georgia Heart is uh, it's actually mainly for the Georgia rural hospital state tax credit program easier way to remember is georgia heart and it is a way that individuals married couples individuals with pass-through organizations or c corps or businesses can actually divert part of their state income tax and put them into rural hospitals around the state of Georgia in order to support those hospitals and the communities that they serve. And the state of Georgia is willing to give up $60 million a year of their state income tax to these individuals or entities that want to put the money in various communities. And it's a way for them to do that.
0: So why is this needed?
1: Well, Georgia was either number three or number four for a long time in this country for losing rural hospitals. They were closing at a pretty rapid rate. In fact, when the program was created by the Georgia State Legislature, Georgia had lost between seven and nine hospitals that had closed over a three-year period. So they decided that one of the best ways to do this was to allow people to use their own state income tax to support these hospitals and give them the funds to keep themselves open and support the communities that they're in. Because when a hospital closes, not only does everyone in that community lose their hospital and usually have to travel 35 to 45 minutes away to another hospital, but the county that they're in loses a huge revenue source. People lose their jobs and the nearest community hospital suddenly is taking a great influx of additional patients, which puts a huge burden on them. So it was a way to try and stem the closing of these hospitals, and I'm happy to say it did just that.
0: So in the WellSTAR program, uh, the only hospital is the Sylvan Grove.
1: Sylvan Grove, and yeah. WellSTAR Sylvan Grove Hospital is the only rural hospital that WellSTAR owns. To be a rural, considered a rural hospital, a hospital has to be in a county that has under 26,000 population. So these are your smallest areas in Georgia. So yeah, WellSTAR Sylvan Grove in beautiful downtown Jackson is WellSTAR's hospital. And it's uh, WellSTAR's oldest hospital facility. It was built in 1962. And this program has been... A real godsend for them. Um, We've gotten a lot of um, new services. We've gotten a lot of new capital building, and we have a lot of future plans for the hospital and the community that probably would have happened in Wellstar years out, but this program allowed us to pull it up and do it all right now.
0: How long has this program existed?
1: 2017 is when the first year for the program, and the program right now is scheduled to end in 2024.
0: How have the revenues been used at your hospital in Sylvan?
1: Primarily for capital and also for services, I'm, my best story I can tell you is that we took the funding from one year and we decided to completely rebuild the emergency room, upgrade all the equipment, rebuild the emergency room, expand it. And we did that and we opened it in December of 2019 and COVID hit in February the 2020 and this became a godsend for that community because they had everything that was needed to meet that pandemic in that community thanks to this program.
0: That's great. So mm-hmm. there is, one I think, one restriction um, that's executive compensation, I believe, yep. from the funds. So we're not padding the pockets of rural hospital executives, which is, I don't know. Probably not that much money anyway, being an executive at a rural hospital. (laughs) Okay, so tell us a little more about Sylvan itself. I think you mentioned earlier it was built in 1962.
1: 1962 is when the hospital was built. Today it is an acute care hospital in that it has a 24-hour emergency room. It has full imaging capabilities and lab capabilities. The hospital itself has 26 rooms, but the primary function of the inpatient rooms is as a critical access hospital. And a critical access hospital is, is really for people who are going out of a hospital like a Kennistone or a North Fulton or a Cobb or Spalding Regional and Griffin. And they have had hip replacement or joint replacement or a stroke, they're recovering and they're not ready to be able to take care of themselves in their home. So they can go to a critical access hospital and receive the care they need, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, and they can stay there for weeks while they recover and become strong enough to then be able to go home. And so that's what Sylvan Grove primary function for their inpatient rooms is. And they service a nine-county area south of Atlanta.
0: So let's back up a second and talk a little about the Wellstar Foundation, which helps promote growth and and research and and different items within the hospital, including supporting its own employees uh, in, in, in crisis. So many people think that if you go to the hospital of oh, these people just make tons of money. I see this, these invoices and these bills, and this is how much the hospital is making. And actually Wellstar is a nonprofit,
1: not for profit. Yes, it is. Correct. Yes, it is. Or not for profit. Thank mm-hmm.
0: you for correcting me. Walk us through a little bit. Why, why are these funds needed? Why, why can't you just, you know, if you're making millions of dollars a patient, I say that with sarcasm.
1: <laughs> First of all, you know, every penny that we take in through any of the hospitals, anything that's left at the end of the year has to be put back into the hospitals. It has to be put into our hospital system. And that's that's a law. And we get audited every year. So that's taken close look at. What the foundation is able to do is to make sure that today's technology, as it grows practically annually now, and new medical equipment comes out, new medical services come out, that we can actually add those services, provide a higher quality medical care, and do it much faster, thanks to the support of the foundation funds, so we can actually take care of communities much better. And also, we can take a look at what in each community is really needed, community by community, because not, they're not all the same. And then we can focus funds on that need, such as behavioral health, which is a huge issue right now and uh, looking to help different areas in Georgia through behavioral health support and maybe new facilities. And that's something Wellstar can do with the help of the foundation.
0: I believe that one of the last things that was funded, if I remember correctly, was, was basically training for doctors to where you're in a bad auto accident and you end up in a rural hospital but they don't have the expertise there to make those emergency surgeries that they could actually potentially in the future do it from Kennestone, right down the street, where the doctor is at Kennestone, but the robot that he's controlling mm-hmm. is in the rural hospital.
1: Right. That's I mean, wild. I
0: don't know if you want to be that patient, mm-hmm. but maybe you would be if that's all you got. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Something we do at most of our hospitals right now, including the hospitals very much in the south of Atlanta, is we have telemedicine. So if you come into the emergency room, say it's Spalding Regional, and you're suspected of having a stroke, we have a stroke center. So we take you straight in for a CT. We don't have a full-time neurologist, but the neurologist that Wellstar does work with, they're on virtual and they're reading your records and they're looking at your records. And when you're in the emergency room, they are actually talking to your family or to you as a patient to let you know what's going on through a monitor. So even though they're up in Kenistone or at another hospital, they're treating other patients so that we can get you the treatment you need very, very quickly.
0: We're getting closer and closer to like Star Wars, Star Trek mm-hmm. stuff, right? <laughs> and technology has solved a lot of problems, not just in healthcare but other industries um, as well. So again, the foundation, there's Wellstar Foundation, which helps bring in revenue to help do the things that that maybe the hospital doesn't necessarily have the budget for. And then there's the Heart Program, which is totally separate. This is this is run by another organization
1: correct georgia heart is uh, an organization that it manages the program for all 54 hospitals involved and we interact with them on a regular basis and again 100% of the funds that come into wellstar sylvan grove or any of the hospitals do go into that hospital and that community it's it's super. yeah that's
0: that's a really good point um kepling you know in the wellstar foundation a lot of a lot of times and, and it's normal that you'd give a dollar but maybe 70 cents of that dollar or even 60 cents of that dollar Actually, go to the cause that you're very passionate about. The rest of it goes for paper and printers and rent and 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 salaries, right? Well, in and, and the Wellstar organization, all that's covered by the corporation itself. So when when a dollar goes into the foundation, there's a dollar to spend. Correct. So it's the same way with the Heart Program. A dollar a dollar goes in. There's a dollar to spend.
1: It's a dollar goes in, but it's ninety seven cents. There is a okay. three cent a three percent that goes to maintenance of the program that the state allows.
0: Okay. That's I, I still a really good percentage mm-hmm. compared to so many other options out right. there. So let's say that um, we might be interested in, in doing this. Jordan? Yeah. How do super, we do it?
2: Super easy. <laughs> um, so, if you were listening to us a few weeks ago talk about Georgia Goal, it's a very s- similar process. You go to Georgia Heart's website, and they essentially take care of everything for you. You apply through their site, and then they're the ones who speak to the Department of Revenue. They let you know if you've been approved, if there's credits available, and then once you're approved, you write your check to Georgia Heart, and Georgia Heart distributes the funds to the hospital of your choice, unless they've met their cap, mm-hmm. in which it could go to a different hospital or just an area where Georgia
1: Heart sees a need. Super so what's, simple. What's
0: the program cap um, per year?
1: The state's cap is sixty million dollars. Sixty million dollars, but yes. each
0: hospital can't benefit more than four million. Four,
1: 4 million. million, correct? That's the cap for every hospital. Okay,
0: so we have some bad news in that people have already done their planning. Yeah, And (laughs) 2021
2: is closed. Yes, but 2022 is about to open in
1: a couple of weeks. Yes, it is. Georgia Heart will open the portal for 2022 tax year on November 1st. 9 a.m. on November 1st, people can go in and start registering there. All the hospitals are there. It will not let you get through your registration without picking a hospital like Wellstar Sylvan Grove Hospital. Right. (laughs) Here's my plug. And you can get registered. And once you're registered and you receive your approval, you're good for the entire year.
0: Great. So... Let's walk back the tax credit again. So if I give uh, the maximum for an individual is $5,000, a married couple can give $10,000. So let's say I give $10,000 and I owe $20,000 in my state tax. Mm -hmm. So that means that on my bottom line, I now owe $10,000 in state tax.
2: Correct. Yes.
0: So instead of paying your state tax to the general fund of Georgia, you're allowing this to be directed to, to benefit something that maybe yes. you're passionate about or maybe you just don't want georgia to be spending your money
2: right you get to put your tax dollars to work and even better this can work in conjunction with goals so if you it, it's not an either or here you could choose goal and heart you know yeah. and you could max this out and up to twelve thousand five hundred dollars for an individual married couple that you could completely direct your tax dollars it's awesome
0: that is pretty cool yeah you could do that with the federal government
2: Uh, yeah. (laughs) Maybe one day. (laughs) Maybe one day.
0: All right. So then there's another uh, aspect to this for businesses. Now, again, for 2021, it's closed. But if you were lucky enough to get into the program, you could give up to $10,000. But then next year in 2022, it is uh, it's changing. So yes. can we talk about that for a minute? If you're a business owner for 2022?
2: Yes. So new rule, similar to goal as well. Um, you can elect to be taxed at the business level for Georgia purposes only. So you're not doing anything different for federal. But if you choose to do that, you can give up to 75% of your Georgia tax liability to heart. And then that's a federal deduction. And then it's a a credit on your Georgia taxes at the business level. But that's an option. It's an election. You can either choose to do it the old way, the normal way where the cap is 10,000, or you can choose to do it that way where the cap is unlimited up to 75% of your Georgia tax liability.
0: So then to figure out which is best for a business owner, we kind of go back to the same square as with the new goal program and that you really have to run it two two ways yeah this is probably not something you do at home
2: probably not probably uh, get a good cpa to help you run an either or i know one of those yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) i just met one of those (laughs) (laughs) and we tell every one of our business owners everybody who participates to please talk to your cpa talk to a tax accountant make sure that you know you know what you're doing before you do all this right
0: so instead of blindly filing taxes, even if you just owed a thousand dollars or five hundred dollars in Georgia tax, mm-hmm. you could write a check for five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars into the program. So it allows you to to really have each each tax dollar have a purpose in your local community or nearby community in this case, because we don't live in a rural community here in Marietta, Georgia, or Atlanta. And the same way with the with the Georgia Gold program. Mm-hmm.
2: And even if you write a check and it's larger than your liability for the year, you get to carry forward that credit up to five years. So your dollars aren't going to waste with the hospitals, obviously, but also not on your taxes either.
0: Great. Mm -hmm. Well, Kathleen, uh, anything else to add?
1: No, just that I hope everybody will consider the Georgia Rural Hospital Tax Credit Program, Georgia Heart. And if you do want to register or get more information, you can go to www.georgiahart.org and get all the information you want. And if you do decide to participate, remember Jackson, Georgia and Wellstar, mm-hmm. Sylvan Grove Hospital.
0: Okay, thank you. Thank you. So now I wanna transition uh, the conversation to, you know, we, we, we're talking about tax credits, uh, you know, for Georgia Goal, but there's other tax credits you can get as well. And it's just general charitable giving. Uh, most people will give money. To an organization um, because it's part of their heart, they want to see that organization succeed. Uh, and a few people do give for the sole purpose of of a tax deduction. E- essentially, when you give an when you give an individual donation to an organization such as a church, you're getting back whatever your tax rate is. So, if you're in the thirty seven percent or nearly fifty percent uh, state tax or a state and federal tax rate, essentially you're saving that on your tax return. So. For every dollar, for most people, let's say it's 22 cents uh, if you're in the 22% bracket or 24% bracket uh, that you're saving. So it's never dollar for dollar, but it does have an impact on your return. It has impact on other people's lives as well, which is part of the transition here. Um, I wanna talk to a group today, or I'm gonna show you an interview with a group today that uh, I, I think we all could learn from. You know, In life, I feel like that there are people who enter life and whatever just happens, happens. And they kind of take it and say, okay, well, this is just my life. Then there's people who enter life and they make sure that they make life happen. Life doesn't happen to them. And and we read about them all the time in history books, right? And then there's another group of people that not only make life happen for them, but then they turn around and make sure life is happening for other people. And that's where I want to introduce my guests today uh, today I have with me uh, Humphrey Conga. Yes, yes, Hi Humphrey.
3: Yes, yes,
0: Casey. And I have McGee Spencer. Hello. And I've just learned your story, Humphrey, and I'm already impressed. Thank you, thank um, you. I've always wanted to say I've written a book. I've never had the patience to actually sit down to write a book, uh, and you have two books. Yes, um, yes I One do. is uh, The Journey Against All Odds. Yes. And the other one is Rebranding to Win. Yes. And the reason why I have you in today is to give an example of what happens when we give money beyond ourselves to other people. And there's a lot of organizations that will take our money, but I feel like there's very few organizations that are actually making a huge impact on other people's lives. So let's start a little bit
3: about what you're doing with Kenya Connection Kids. Uh, thank you so much, Kise, for having me today. Uh, my name is Humphrey. Kanga. I come from Kenya. I'm the founder and CEO of Kenya Connection Kids. Kenya Connection Kids is uh, a ministry whose uh, mission is to to uplift the, the, the lives of the orphaned and the destitute children uh, in Kenya. Uh, let me say close to two decades. We have been helping with the orphaned and destitute children I came over in this country in 2001 uh, because I wanted to empower myself for the ministry that I'm doing. And I was enlisted to Oskin Theological Seminary and a church called Massive Presbyterian Church sponsored me there. When I completed education, uh, I already received uh, like a call. I felt deep in my heart now that i have grown through poverty. I would want to help other children who are like me when I was growing up. So we started an organization to help, the, to help the orphaned and very needed children in Kenya. By then, those years, 700 people were dying in Kenya in 2001, 700 people were dying uh, because of HIV AIDS. I saw my own people of my own age, my, of my own generation die and there were so many kids by then uh, who are orphaned total orphaned so we started the program of um, sending them to school and having people to stand and walk the lonely journey of life with them and let me say it has been very successful currently we have been able to build uh, four children's uh, homes we have also sponsored over 300 children in school and what i mean by sponsorship I have friends in this country who give that five dollars uh, were given that the five dollars and dollars a month to support a specific a specific child, and they have grown a relationship. Back in Kenya, we have a team of over that men and women who help in the, in providing other 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 non-material support uh, and also material support like mentally mentoring, mentoring these children life coaching, counseling, and guiding them, law them in their life, in their life journey. And let me say, for the last two decades, we have seen great success because helping those orphaned, poor children, we have seen many of them shell off the shell of poverty or the shed off the shell of poverty mm-hmm. because we believe when a child gets education, education is the key is the key to uh, a lot of things uh, or is the key to success uh, in life. So we have seen children uh, become technicians. We have seen electricians. We have seen them become engineers. We have seen them become teachers. We have seen them become uh, lawyers. We have seen them become, you know, anything, any other child who is well oppressed uh, can become. So I want to say giving, giving uh, our time and money, and resources for others. I think it's the greatest thing somebody somebody can do, and I want to say that has really energized us in this country. For the time I stayed here for five years, I have friends who we have teamed with, who have been coming to see what's going on in Kenya. The specific children who they sponsor and whose their friends sponsor uh, visit them in their home, visit them in their schools, and walk that that journey. Uh, and and listen to them. And I want to say it has been a very, very helpful and very encouraging.
0: How do the children uh, come
3: to your organization in Kenya? How, how do you, do they seek you out? Or are you seeking out I think, families? Yes. I think for now, for now, because we have been in operation for quite some time, we are known, we are known by what we do. The government of Kenya knows us, people from communities and churches and uh, all over. They know us, but at the same time, we we have uh, our children in very many schools in Kenya. So when we visit them, we we learn from the teachers or we learn from the community. We have an office back home in Kenya. So people will come to the office and tell us there's a child who who needs help. Two days ago, an abandoned child, a three year old child who was abandoned in a little town was brought to to the to the home. And that way that way you know people get to know uh, so we have the networks and we also go to the field to verify among the bunch of poor children here who is the most needy because again you may not be able to help each and everyone so we can get the most needy of them all and then we put them through the program and with the $35 we we'll receive from a sponsor from the states or from other parts of the world we we stretch that dollar to provide a school surprise to provide school uh levies to buy clothes to buy we buy shoes to provide uh, um a food and that money is stretched into the life of that child and we have seen Great change we have
0: so $35 a month yes helps support a child pretty much do everything that they need in Kenya that that's um It's hard to believe when you think about the cost of living here, but I I guess that makes sense. When you receive the $35, are you helping only children that are living in your homes? Are you also helping children that are living in in their own homes but going to
3: the school? Yes, yes. there are some other children. Uh, we, We have our own home, but we have other children we sponsor who are not living in our home. They are living with their guardians with their relatives. And you know, in a family, you are not there alone. So what we do is every month we buy food. Food is subsidy. We call it subsidizing for their, for their food, because if you live in a family that has 10, uh, that food may not be enough. So we we subsidize. We subsidize, mm-hmm. and it's a good subsidy, because when we started doing that, we saw the health of the children, and even the, the health of that family, you know, change. We see their health status, you know, yeah. uh, come up, and you can see it. You can own it by the way they look.
0: Are they um uh, the parents
3: of the children have some of them abandoned the children yes we have several categories of uh, children they are those who come from very dysfunctional homes and the dysfunctional homes are all over uh, such that you find the only person who takes care of that child is a grandmother we have children who are taken care of by a single mama or a single dad uh, we also have children in some cases who have no parent at all uh, who have no guardians the, the, their parents are, uh, are, are not there. those are the ones we take at the, our children's uh, our children's home and again, you find children in poverty. You have all your parents, but you are poor. I don 't know how poverty, poverty comes because sometimes you find you are born in that poverty cycle and you are not able to get out, but you believe with education when we empower them through education and uh, with the skills. With the skills, uh, life, and uh, other technical skills, they'll be able. They'll be able to get out, and they'll change themselves and change the the, the generation, and eventually change the country. And you experienced this yourself,
0: is that correct?
3: Yes, yes. I grew in a family of fifteen children, and fifteen. Yes. Wow. And my father and my mother and my stepmother were were they were not rich people, so we depended um, upon food grown uh, from the garden so 15 people uh, with the parents who have no job who are only doing gardening and who have nothing much it was so difficult many times we went i remember i went without food there was no food to eat and when you have don't have food to eat it's not good. It's, it right. bites you. The, the hunger bites you hard. Right. and An experience you cannot forget. So I agree with those experiences. You have no comfort. At night there is no blanket. We call it blanket. You have no, no enough blanket to cover yourself at night. It was too cold uh, for mm-hmm. me. At the times you have to wake up at the middle of the night to make fire uh, so that at least you can get warm because you have no comforter. Right. So uh, many times you are sent out of, uh, away from school because your father or your parents have not paid the, the levies. So I, I grew with those images. I grew with those images. So uh, it and it was very bitter for me. So I felt when I grew up and I felt uh, like I would want to get into this fight. I would want to get into the fight uh, into helping those children who are in the condition that I was when I was growing up because it was very it wasn't good. It was not good. But I, um, I'm glad that you may not be able to help in everybody but at least I have given myself for a few. Absolutely. So, McGee,
0: this is this is where. So, your partnership through Kenny K- K- Connection here in the states is Mars Hill Presbyterian. Yes. yes. And McGee, you're a member at Mars Hill Presby- Presbyterian. Also, a are you? Or that's what you do? You do Kenny K- 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 Connection through there. Yes. Okay. And then you're a retired school teacher. Yes. A very good re- retired school teacher. I can tell. I just know these things, and you, actually, you still do some part time work. Yes, with, I do mm-hmm. with with the students. Uh, so, tell me a little bit about how all this got started through Mars Hill.
4: It was an interesting day when um, a young African American entered the doors of Mars Hill Presbyterian, and he had walked to the church from a location um, down the way. And I tell the story because he had this drive to come here to get a seminary education. At that time, only one out of every 700 ministers in Kenya had any sort of formal education. So he felt led to come here to go to school. And then wished to go home and start a Bible college to share that information with others. so the long story is that Mars Hill sponsored him through his seminary and when he went back home to start his Bible school and he saw all of the orphans and the very poor children who were abandoned on the street sometime who had been abused or whatever, he realized he would have to postpone that dream of the Bible college because it was the children that needed to become the priority for for him
0: well let 's go back to the story you told. Uh... Uh, when we weren't recording okay uh, of how he got even got here to down to Atlanta,
4: right. well, he spent a lot of time trying to convince his wife that he needed to come to America, and that that trip <laughs> s- stretched out to five years, but so he had received an invitation to attend a Bible conference in Tennessee. He had no idea where this was. But um, he had $5 in his pocket by the time he reached Tennessee. And at the end of the Bible conference, someone stood up and said, we have a bus that's going to Atlanta in the morning. Would anyone like a ride to Atlanta? Well, Humphrey came here with no knowledge of any sort of seminary or how you would apply or how much it cost or anything else. So he raised his hand. And actually, that bus arrived at the Big Chicken, and they woke him up. And they said, well, you know, you may want to get off out here before you get all the way into Atlanta. So he had a (laughs) phone number in his pocket of of some friend, friend, some Kenyan, who lived in America. That's all he knew. And he called the guy, and he lived five minutes from the big chicken.
1: Oh, wow. And
4: they came and picked him up. And anyway, he ended up... um, renting a house or renting a he actually rented a laundry room in the basement of a home for a while and he walked to Mars Hill Church and that's where it all started he came expecting nothing because it's not in their culture that someone would support you to do this sure he was going to find a way and he took a job washing cars and he walked from Ackworth to Kennesaw to do that
3: wow
0: just getting it done just gotta do what you gotta do yeah, absolutely <laughs> <laughs> no excuses no excuses. didn't blame no. society no didn't blame no, no didn't blame your parents nobody owed me anything yeah that's yeah that's refreshing actually so we start where well, we have start kidney connection after all that yes and then uh, mars hill is kind of the home base but you've talked. To, you're talking with other organizations as well. Uh, you you recently told me you were with, with an organization down in Florida. Met with ten people. Yes. And and came back with four sponsorships.
3: Yes. I th- I think like when uh, most most of our children are sponsored by individuals who yeah. are my friends. Yes. And you know with the friendship, there are always connections. You know this one. You know this. Uh, somebody connects with the family. So when I went to when I visited Florida last time, a friend, a friend. Uh, uh, and connected me with uh, uh, a sister so the sister organized friends from a neighborhood to come and listen to to me and she and already a sense that some some from the neighborhood want to sponsor a child so that's how I was able to speak to the 14 people and four kids uh, got uh, sponsored I friends I also and friends in Colorado Springs who, who do uh, ministry in Kenya through us, that is the, a team of doctors. Their mission is uh, not the children, but it is the sick. Yeah. But when they came home and saw uh, the, the, the children in our children's home and met with them and saw how the kids are doing, how happy they are, how their lives are changing, uh, some of them felt touched to extend a hand and sponsor kids. So th- that's how. That's how it all it, 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 that's how it went that's how it, it all goes right. It is a friend to tell a friend, and when you observe you know when you observe with your own eyes, you make your own judgment <laughs> right yes
0: so um uh, you've made four trips to Kenya were each of those centered around the children's homes and the building of those originally, or what was the purpose?
4: The first one we actually did get to, um, you know, dig the septic tank and and watch the building construction and assist with that. Each of the other times we've gone... We, of course, always want to connect with our own personal children, but but we'll have specific goals for each mission trip. It it might be, in this case, we've had a really generous donation of school supplies, not just notebooks and everything, but teaching supplies, and we're going to be um, shipping those over. So there's always some sort of mission uh, that revolves around caring for our kids over there.
0: So what percentage of the children do you feel like are in poverty
3: in Kenya right now? Do you know that statistic? I I know, I know. I may not give that statistics. I don't know. I may not get to, uh, I don't, I'm not very sure of the demographics, but I only have, know a few things. That in Kenya right now, um, on average, an average person in Kenya lives in like $2 per day. So when you live in $2 per day, your lady can tell yeah what the what the when you cascade to the glass roots, you know what that uh uh that's so the average
0: person's making two dollars a day yes is that what you're yes saying? i think that's so right. maybe that, everybody's in poverty <laughs> most people most
3: people are in poverty and like uh, the unemployment rate is 60 percent is 60 percent only 60 percent yes the country okay. is big in education People are encouraged to go to school, but still, you find even after high school, after college, there are no jobs to do. So we are at this sixty unemployment late. So you know that what that means with the, to the to, yeah. the to the economy, right? Yes, right, absolutely. Mm.
0: If we were going to a college or uh, a seminary or wherever we might be wanting to attend, we typically do a little research first, and we 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 try to talk to alumni. So we say, "Hey, you went here." Was it worth it? Uh, McGee, you have a letter from an alumni. Why don't you read that to us?
4: Okay. um, I've got a piece of a letter here from a little girl named Melody that was in our program for over 10 years. And Melody didn't have an individual sponsor, but she was sponsored by a Sunday school class at a Methodist Church in Calhoun, Georgia. So what she wrote is I promise you guys that I will do all that I can to ensure that this legacy of spreading hope and love that you have passed to me lives on. As you have dedicated a part of your lives to me by keeping me in school, I believe that I too will do the same for someone else. It is an awesome energy that you have fed into my life, and I want to fuel it and spread it.
3: That's great. Yeah, we started with the melody when she was in grade five. Now she's a second year now she's a second year at the university pursuing a bachelor's degree in community development oh wow yes that's great and then and and, and who's paying for her college the the, the sponsor the, the sponsor. sponsor yeah they are helping her with, uh, with, with tuition the, the, with the tuition and upkeep that's great so
0: yes. what what I'm getting from this program is uh, from your program is you're actually able to connect with the child that you're sponsoring. And yes. I assume that there's not always success stories, that yes. there's people who sure. who make bad decisions because yes. we're human and we have free will. <laughs> That's uh, true. And you have to work through that. But at the same time, you're probably uh, helping yes. more, more. There's probably more success stories than not yes. success stories, yes. if I had to we, guess.
3: We have challenges because when you're dealing with the over 300 children, it's like, like a family. Right. It, the dynamics you find in a normal family, those are the dynamics we have. We have kids who will be very obedient and will listen to what we are saying and will be successful. But at the same time, we have others who have eyes but they don't see and right. they will give you some some trouble. But in the most part, we have a big bigger percentage of those who will listen because we have a team of them who have made it through high school and through college and others are now in the university and others are finished and others are working, we have teachers. So... We we have the, the the difficult ones too.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yes. There's
4: always a situation of the boyfriend comes along and, <laughs> and then We need to run to Nairobi and, uh, you know, those sorts of situations like all teenagers, you know. Right, sure.
0: Yeah, okay.
4: But um, Humphrey is, he has very strict rules, and that's one of the things about the organization is that, you know, the children are are raised um, to be not only Christians, but just to have the same type of ethics that he does. And, And he works hard to find the type of people that work in the organization that serve as role models. So they counsel them and try everything they can and give them multiple opportunities and even forgiveness to if they wish to re-enter the program and can show that they're sincere about it you know
0: yeah yeah well it's great that it sounds like you're a, a beacon of light in an area that um, would probably be um, a lot of depression and, and not a whole lot of hope or or if anything going to other bad organizations like you know bad groups of people that that uh, would you know drug trades things mm-hmm. like that yeah. that that uh, tend to have resources that would take people down the wrong path. So, thank you, thank you. Uh, but yeah, getting to know the person that you're sponsoring, I think that's unique to what you guys are, are doing as opposed to, as opposed to general, just general donations. Um, okay, well, I, anything else you'd like to share with us while you're here?
3: I want to say we, we are so grateful to our uh, friends and sponsors and the UKC for letting us be here today um as again i want to say i am here this time we work with objectives but with goals i'm here in this country for the three months because i want to do a book promotion tour the journey against odds and liberating to windows are the two books that have that have uh, given that have all that um, in the last few years We, we are also trusting that we are going to get people uh, who will uh, sponsor children because it's a, it's a model we have tried and it has worked. We are also looking into building uh, a children's home uh, in Kenya. A children's home costs like five thousand US dollars. We are now in into uh, we are trusting God to build our next fifth home because we we want to do this.
0: And the cost of building a home is how much?
3: Uh, the, the five thousand dollars. Yes. The model we have in mind is five, five, five uh, fifty 50,000, 50, Okay, 50, that makes more sense. <laughs> fifty thousand, fifty thousand, fifty thousand <laughs> U.S. dollars. Okay, so that's the the model that we have, and the fourth one is now complete. We are now focusing on the on the fifth one because we want to do this.
0: Yeah. So, if you want to support this organization, uh, Kenyan Connection Kids. Uh, you can do that through um, Mars Hill Presbyterian. You can go to their website. Uh, we'll put that in our show link. Uh, you can make a donation there, and there's a drop down for Kenya Connection Kids. Uh, and then I'll also give you the contact for McGee Spencer here with us today. That'll, her email will be in the show notes. If you have more questions or want to reach out to uh, to Humphrey uh, as well, but um, uh, Humphrey, you're you're doing an amazing work. Thank you. Thank you. Sam. Um, I am always energized. When I meet people like you, because I feel like we live in a society now where everyone blames somebody for something, and everyone's looking for free handouts. And you are a person who um, is literally not only uh, came out of adversity yourself, but is now reaching back and helping yes. other people come out of adversity. And uh, I think that that's very energizing uh, to me. Thank you. And thank so you. Thank you for your hard work. Thank you. Um, and. Uh, Uh, Again, you came here. You're in the States until when?
4: November 29th. 29th.
0: November 29th. Yes. And you go back to Kenya. for You come here about every other year. Yes, that's Uh, true. Your goal on this trip was to um, get 50 sponsors. Yes, yes. So to sponsor 50 kids at $35 a month. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you've gotten... 12 14 of those yeah so we, far. we have
3: quite a number of them 30 have, oh you've gotten yes. 30 so yes. we have
0: 30 sponsors we have 20 sponsors left yes. To, yes. to achieve your goal yes uh for for that so that that's great that's great success great that's a great trip yes
3: it is it is it is
0: um okay look at the show notes for more information and uh thank you both for your time today thank you so
2: thank
3: much. you thank you
0: kissing.
2: Thanks for listening to the Wiser Roundtable podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. That way you don't miss out on new episodes. Head to wiserinvestor.com and reach out if you have any questions. We would love to hear from you. Today's episode was produced and edited by Lilton Moore.